The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. See? See? Is this working? Check, check. Is it me or you, bro? It's you. Okay. See? There we go. Hey, today's going to be an awesome day for Seahawks as well as here at the Grove Church. Or maybe it's going to be an awesome day at the Grove Church as well as the Seahawks. Okay, it's going to be a great day. My name's Andrew. I'm so happy that you're here today. If you are a guest with us, we want to say welcome to you. Hopefully you're having a great experience um, when you came through the doors and to the parking lot. Um, it's our goal to make you feel like you belong and that you matter here at the Grove Church. So thank you so much for being here. I believe God's going to do some amazing miracles today. I believe God is going to give the Seahawks a win. I believe God is going to allow Efeti to block. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing day for Seattle. Uh, no, I'm just messing around. We are fans of Seahawks, obviously. Hey, I want to explain a little bit, um, as Eli did in the video, the importance of this Connect card. If you got one of these when you came through the doors, can you just wave it at me real quick? Wave it at me if you got it. Okay, awesome. This is an important card to us for a variety of reasons. First of all, if you're a guest with us here, and our, our host at the end will talk about this too, but if you're a guest with us, this is a great opportunity for us to get to know you and to stalk you and to visit you at your home and your work. And so we're going to ask you to give us all of your information. No, we just want to follow up with you and thank you for being here. And so if you wouldn't mind to take time to fill out this card if you're a guest, also, if you're a regular attender, it's a great opportunity if you want to get information about the church or maybe you have a question. The cool thing about this thing is it's perforated, and so you can also take notes on the back. And then as the offering passes today, all you got to do is rip off the connection portion, okay? Probably the most important thing about this card, I feel like I'm trying to sell you on a connect card right now. It's awesome. Uh, probably the most important thing about this connect card is the prayer request on the back. And this is honestly probably the biggest thing that the Grove Church is known for and something I'm personally proud of. If you write a prayer request on the back of this card for anything, maybe let's say today you're like, you know what, I don't want you to know my name, my phone number, I don't want you to know anything about me, but I do want you to pray for me. I want you, I want you to be encouraged that we're going to be praying for you th- throughout the week. But if you do write a name or a phone number or an email on there, I can guarantee you that this week you're going to hear from someone on our team praying for you over the phone or praying for you through an email, letting you know that we're lifting up you in prayer. It's going to happen. It's already happening. And again, we pride ourselves on great follow-up because we believe there's power in prayer. Can I hear an amen? And so we want to pray with you and pray God's grace and blessing upon you and your family. And so I want to encourage you to fill out that card today. Well, today we continue this series called Bad Advice, okay? And it's a very unique series, something I've never done in the history of being in, in ministry. I've been going in ministry now for nine and a half years. Never done anything like this. But today in part two, I'm just going to offer more bad advice to you. Hopefully catching on to a little bit of the sarcasm, but also the truth of what I'm saying to you. The reason why I'm going to give you bad advice today and bring light to that is because sometimes I believe that you and I are listening to and following bad advice and we may not even realize it. So last week we talked about how to drift from God. Today I'm going to talk about how to become an addict how to become addicted, how to have a problem with addictions. Okay, I'm going to teach you four ways to do that if you're looking to get addicted and wanting to mess up your life. Can I hear an amen? I was like, I don't want to do that. Okay, here's how I want to start today. I've never met a single person who wakes up and says, I want to destroy my life. I've never met that person. I've never met a person that said, you know, I want to be hooked and broke. 
I never met a person that said, you know, I just have a beer on the weekends, but now I'm in AA with a broken family and a broken marriage. I've never met a person like this. I've never met a person that would admit to me to say, you know, I've realized that the course that I'm on and the decisions that I'm making is going to lead me to losing everything. I've never met that person. I've never met a person that said to me, you know, all I do is buy a lotto ticket. It's no big deal. I'm never going to get addicted to gambling. I'm never going to lose my home. I'm never going to lose my savings. I'm not going to be spending my weekends at casinos. That's not going to be my life. I've never met that person. I've never met a person that said, you know, well, I was married for 20, 30 years. And then, you know, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I just fell in love with someone else and we ended up having an affair and my whole family's destroyed. I've never met that person. The people that I meet that deal with addictions, the people that I meet that are addicted, usually always starts with something gradual. It always starts with someone making a decision, a few decisions, and a decision, and a decision, and a decision leads to a problem. I've never met that person. I've never met, I never met a person that went from buying a lotto ticket to losing everything in one day. I've never met that person. What I've met is people who make gradual choices and decisions that end up getting them in a place where they're dealing with an addiction. And if you haven't noticed, we have become an addicted society. We have an opioid crisis we have a homelessness crisis, and those are the big ones, right? Those are the easy ones that are out, kind of out in the open, and the news covers those ones, and we talk about those all the time in our culture. But we also have a pornography problem and addiction. People who just can't stop looking, and it's so easy to find now with our phones. We have an overspending addiction problem. You can't just stop spending. We have people in this room and people that I know and people in our world who, are, who have a workaholic addiction. You may stay late and work so many hours and everyone around you is suffering. You don't use your vacation time. You don't use your personal days. And at the end of the year, you're hoping you'll just get cashed out because taking a break and finding rest is just not something that you think is high priority for you and your family. We have a social media addiction problem. It's like this phone and this device I'll be talking about a little bit later is something that we feel like we cannot let go of. It's become a part of who we are. It's like, oh, what? Oh, 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 excuse me one second. No, I know we're talking one-on-one, but just give me one second. We have a problem with our phones and an addiction to social media. I know so many adult people who have a gaming addiction, video game addictions. They literally will not leave their homes and play video games all weekend, never going out in the sunlight. When I grew up, I rode a little BMX bike all around my neighborhood every time I could. You ever notice on the weekend and during the summer, where are kids? Where's families? No one's outside anymore. Why? Because people are glued and attached and addicted to a computer or a device or a system, and they're not out doing anything in God's creation. You know, one that's really touchy is prescription painkillers. I know personally friends of mine who had a surgery, then had another surgery, then were given a certain pain prescription to deal with that pain. And then all of a sudden you meet that person down the road and you realize, wait a minute, Tommy was not the same person I met a year ago. Man, now, now Tommy is dealing with some type of addiction that he cannot let go of. The thing that meant to help him recover 
only later to find out that he needs it to survive in his life. Addictions. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.12, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I want you just to think about this as we get to the text here in Isaiah. I want you to think about this. What has mastered you today? See, we're all mastered by something. Now, now some of them are out in the open and they're easy to spot and we can see that they're a problem. There are far other ones that I mentioned, though, that are much more hidden that we don't want to admit that that has mastered us and that that has taken us away from God's plan for our lives. To be mastered, as Paul talks about here, is to be controlled by or enslaved, brought under the power of something. To be enslaved by it, to be controlled by it, to to be something to where it's mastering your life and you cannot do without it. That's what it means to be mastered. And, And here's the issue. The issue is not just that we have addictions. Addictions is just a symptom of a huge problem that we call in Scripture idolatry. Okay, idolatry is when we set up false gods in our lives thinking that they're going to make us happy, thinking that they're going to fulfill us when the true God needs to be the answer to everything inside of our hearts. So addictions are not the problem. We want to point out and go, you know, if they would just get help, it's a deeper problem. There's something in that person's life that they've given over to and replaced instead of God in their life. Now, it's much more complicated than even that, but this is where it begins. It begins with setting up idols or things that we think are going to satisfy us and make us happy and give us meaning. Now, I want to read a passage in Isaiah that deals with this idea of idolatry. This is found in Isaiah 44, 13 through 17. It says, the carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it. With compasses, he shapes it into human form, human form in all its glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. He cut down cedars, or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest, or planted a pine, and the rain made it grow. I want you to catch this next portion here. It is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are My God, I want to pray for this message and and God's word today. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that you are in the power of setting us free today from anything that has mastered us. God, some of it is small. Some of it is big. Some of it is wide open in culture in our world today. Other things are in closed doors where no one sees. But I pray today we would all be honest, God, with answering the question, what has mastered me? Not, not what has mastered my spouse, not what has mastered my boss, not what's mastered my neighbor or that person on the street. God, what has mastered me? 
And I pray, God, that honesty and that vulnerability would be brought to light today and that you, God, would do a mighty work in us. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Isaiah brings this unique passage of Scripture up talking about this fire. Now, here's the crazy thing about addictions. What happens with addictions, just like what happens with fire, is something that was meant for good now turns to bad. See, it says in this passage that this, this man began to make a fire to warm himself. Now, we all know winter's come in. Maybe we've already turned on our heaters in our houses now. Okay, but fire can have amazing purposes, specifically in this passage, to warming him and his family. So that's a, that's a good thing there, taking the wood and the fire and having himself be warmed by it. It also says another good thing, that he takes this fire and this wood and he begins to actually cook for himself and make himself bread and take care of his needs and begin to nourish himself. Just like maybe some of us in our homes have a gas stove or a gas fireplace that we you know, use, same thing. Fire can be used to help feed our families and take care of us and wood can help keep our houses warm. But the problem with addictions and what happens in our lives is we're seeking what only God can provide. We are seeking what only God can provide when we choose to be addicted and to set up some type of God in our lives. Let me give you some example of some good things that have gone bad in our world today. I hear people say to me, you know, I'm lonely. I, I, I want to meet someone. I want affection. I, I want attention. I want someone to love me. I want to be in a relationship. Okay? So here's a, here's a, here's a good thing gone bad. So I'm going to go meet someone in a club. I'm going to go hang out somewhere where people are doing things they probably shouldn't be doing because I feel lonely and I want to meet someone. And what happens is when we meet someone in a place like that, they don't want anything good for us. They want something from us. Okay, they don't want anything good for our lives. They want something from us. And what ends up happening happens all the time. People get shacked up with someone. They end up having some type of a relationship with that person physically Okay, now here's what happens. What God designed to be good, sex, in marriage, to bring pleasure and glory to God, has now been turned bad because someone was seeking to find only what God can provide. Are you with me today? There's nothing wrong with talking about what God created in intimacy in a marriage in a covenant relationship. But what happens is someone is lonely and they're looking for someone to be a God in their life, somebody that will fulfill something that only God can provide and meet. I'll give you another example. We, we want to be happy. We want to have joy. So what do we do? Well, when we're happy and we're depressed, we go shopping because that makes me happy. And what makes me even more happy is when I get something on clearance, Right? And I got a two for one, baby, right? Because it made me happy. Now, here's the thing. At the root of it, is shopping bad? No. Shockingly, I love shopping, personally. I'm weird. I'm a dude that likes to shop, okay? Nothing wrong with it. But when I look to shopping to bring me joy and happiness, when I look to something of materialism to bring me happiness that's, that God can truly only provide, I have now set up an idol of something that, that I'm worshiping. It's something that has replaced God's priority in my life. Are you with me today? So a lot of times, addictions are not some big thing that we just see. A lot of times it's something good. Something good that God gave us 
but now it's been abused and it's been distorted and it's been turned to be something negative and it's begun to master us. Okay, four things here for you. How to become an addict. I don't normally offer bad advice, but I'm about to. Four things, okay? That's why you have that connect card to write these notes down. Okay, if you're looking to mess up your life, you want to destroy it, 10 years from now, you want to realize that who you were today is totally different than 10 years from now. You want to lose your family, your marriage, your job, and your savings, and be addicted. Here's how you do it. Number one, don't ever admit you have a problem. Don't ever admit you have a problem. Don't ever come to a place where you can admit you have a problem. Jeremiah 3.13 says, Only acknowledge your guilt, admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God, and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols. But don't do that. Don't, Don't acknowledge it. Don't admit to it. Act like there is not an issue. Tell yourself you can quit at any time, And if anyone tells you that's close to you, that loves you, someone that really wants the best for you, anyone that tells you that you have a problem, that you have an issue, go ahead and write them off, unfriend them, and cut them out of your life. Because people who want to be addicted don't need those kind of people in their lives. They don't need truth tellers. If you have a truth teller in your life right now that's telling you how to live straight and live right, do whatever you can to cut them out of your life. If you want to be addicted, don't ever admit you have a problem and tell yourself you are powerless to change. Tell yourself that you deserve it, that it's okay to have what you have. And here's a big one. Listen, say to yourself over and over and over again, your addiction is not hurting anyone else. Just tell yourself over and over, my addiction and my issue is not hurting anyone else. It's my thing. It's my issue. It's my problem. And my problems are my problems. Stay out of my problems because they're not messing with anyone else around me. Don't ever admit you have a problem. If you want to become an addict, number one, don't admit you have a problem. Number two, gratify your fleshly desires. So I say, walk by the Spirit, Paul writes, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do whatever you want. If you want to become an addict, gratify your fleshly desires. Now let me give you a real life example. I have a three-year-old daughter and I have a nine-month-old daughter, okay? Lydia, all right? She owns me right now, okay? And I don't know what to do about it, okay? She is the boss, okay? And I'm trying to work on breaking her down and not be the boss, okay? She's amazing, all right? She's three years old. And guess what? In my house, a lot of times, not always, in my house, I go grocery shopping, okay? And I'm proud of it, all right? I am bragging right now that I go grocery shopping. And I go at the Snohomish Fred Myers, okay? I love grocery shopping. I do. I love it. Some guys hate it. I love it, all right? I love the list. I love checking things off. I love finding exactly what my wife wants. And I'm proud. When I bring in those bags, it's like I conquered the world, okay? I bring in those bags, I'm like, babe, boom, look what I bought, all right? I got you every brand. Look at Simple Truth this. Oh, they didn't have that brand, so I went with this brand. You bet, babe, I'm the man, all right? I love grocery shopping, all right? It's my favorite thing, okay? I love it. I'm learning checkers names. I'm meeting all the fun people there. I'm talking to all the different workers. I love it, okay? It's awesome. Every now and then, Lydia, we call her Liddy so she can have a confusing childhood. Lydia, we ask her, we say, hey, you want to go go shop with daddy? Well, yeah, I want to go shop with daddy. So her and I, we're in the cart. She's in the seat. Cool thing about Fred Meyer 
best store to shop at on the planet. Cool thing about Fred Meyer is they'll give you a, a fruit for your kid, okay? You can pick a banana, you can pick an orange, okay? She knows this, okay? So we get to the, the produce section. She's like, where's my fruit? Where's my fruit? Give me my fruit, you know? All right? So when I go, okay, finally, I like look, I look to where the fruit is. I find, okay, Lydia, you want an apple? You want an orange? You want a banana? She's like, I want a banana. I hand her a banana. She's like, no, I want an orange. I hand her an orange. She's like, no, I want an apple. Ah, okay, pick one, okay? So she goes, okay, I'll have a, I'll have a banana, all right? So off to the store, she's, you know, gnawing on her banana, making a big mess, okay? But she's not done, Okay. She, she's not done, okay? She got a banana, but she's not satisfied, okay? So we'll go down the toy section and be like, oh, Minnie, Daddy, can I have Minnie? Daddy, please. I'm like, no, no, you cannot. No, you can't have Minnie. You know, go down the candy section, okay? Look at some candy. Any kid likes candy. She's like, oh, can I have a sucker? No. No, you can't have a sucker, okay? All right? You know, go any, I know, no, you got a banana. You get a banana at the store, okay? Daddy, can I get a treat? No. No, you cannot get a treat, okay? Don't cry, no, don't cry, don't, no, you're embarrassing me. Okay, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, okay, I'm normal, people. Okay, but here, here's, the, here's the point, okay? What am I doing? I'm trying to not raise a spoiled little girl. Okay, I am. Okay, I, I, I don't know if it's working, but I'm trying, okay? I'm trying, to, I'm trying not to raise a spoiled little brat that thinks she can have and get whatever she wants whenever she wants. And if you're a parent, can I hear an amen? amen. Right? I don't want her to grow up entitled. I don't want her to grow up rude. I don't want her to grow up thinking that whenever she wants something, she gets it. And when she's with daddy, she always gets it. But when, when she's with mommy, she's not. So, of course, she always wants to be with her dad. Right? I don't want to play parent against parent when she's only three. But if you are wanting to be addicted and you're wanting to have an addiction, here's the thing. Gratify it. Act spoiled. Get it. Get whatever you want. If your flesh is telling you to have something, have it. See something you want, get it. Buy it. Eat it. Smoke it. Chase it. Watch it. Spend it. Don't ever tell yourself no. Don't ever do it. Don't ever tell yourself no. Gratify and feed it and feed it and feed it. If you want to become addicted, don't ever acknowledge you have a problem. If you want to become addicted, gratify your fleshly desires. Number three, if you want to be an addict, keep your addiction a secret. Keep it a secret. Proverbs tells us whoever conceals their sin does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. Listen, friends, sin grows best in the dark. Keep it there. You don't want people praying for you, holding you accountable. You don't need rehab. You don't need AA. You don't need celebrate recovery. You don't need accountability partners. Keep it a secret and don't tell anybody that you struggle with anything. Because if you tell people that you struggle and something has mastered you, here's what's going to happen. They're just going to beat you down. They're going to judge you. They're going to be shocked. They're going to disown you. So keep it a secret and don't tell anybody that you've been mastered by something. Keep it in the dark. Don't tell people. Let it stay there and it'll grow and it'll grow and it'll grow. If you want to be an addict, don't acknowledge. Don't ever admit you have a problem. 
Don't ever tell anybody. Don't ever admit to it. Give in to whatever you want. Keep your addiction a secret. And lastly, you want to have an addiction. You want to be addicted to anything in life. You want to be mastered by something. Depend on your own power and never God's. Depend on your own power, never God's. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you want to be an addict, depend on your own power, not God's. Okay, the bad advice is over. All right, here we go. Okay, listen, I want to focus on this for a second. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everyone say divine power. Come on, say divine power. To, to demolish strongholds, we demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Did you know that the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you? No, 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 you're not catching it today. Did you know? That the same power that rose Christ from the dead three days later when he died on a cross for you and me is the same power that lives inside of you. Come on, you're not catching it. Did you know that the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you? It lives inside of you. It lives inside of you and it has the power, it has divine power to demolish anything. It has the power to take over anything in our lives. It's this same power in us. This divine power has the power to break any addiction. I'm all for counseling. I'm all for celebrate recovery. I'm all for accountability. I'm all for AA. But we need to remember that the power of God rests inside of our hearts and we have the power to change. We have the power to be different than the world. We have the power to be an overcomer if we say yes to his power. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Well, that's just the way you are. No, it's not. I'm always going to be this way. No, you're not. I was born this way. No, you were not born this way. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you, lives inside of me. I want you to capture this truth today because it changes how you live. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. You know, you're always going to be in debt. You're never going to be debt free. You're always going to be addicted to your credit cards. No, you're not going to always be addicted to your credit cards. You can have a plan. You can change how you spend. You can begin to think through differently where you put your money. And by God's grace over time, you can be set free from overspending. You know, you're always going to be uh, having an issue with food. You're never going to be able to master that. Food just always going to reign over you. It's always going to be a problem for you. Your weight and your issues just the way you are. No, it's not. 
By God's grace, you can be self-controlled and self-determined. By God's grace, you can have people in your life to help you. By God's grace, you can get on different programs and seek counsel. And by God's grace, you don't have to always be that way. What has mastered you? What is reigning in your life as an idol that we have to move into acknowledging today? See, we got to be honest. We got to, first of all, be honest and tell someone, I have a problem. We got to start there. We got to be able to honestly evaluate our heart and our soul and go, you know, I have a problem. And can I just tell you something, that if someone were to do that for you in the next 24 hours, maybe they're going to walk out of this room and you know nothing about something that they're going through, but now they're going to come to you and tell you these things. Can I just be honest with you? Can you receive that with grace and compassion and not judgment? Can you not put up the pride card and the oh my word card and the I can't believe this, how did I never know? Can you just show compassion and grace and offer the kindness of God that leads people to repentance and say, I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna be with you. What can I do to help you? You're not alone in this. Maybe someone today, I really believe this, maybe someone today is gonna admit to something that's mastered them and they're gonna tell you and what's gonna happen for you is their vulnerability and their honesty is gonna bring up for you what it is in you. And now all of a sudden, two people are going to hold each other accountable, maybe for two different things that have mastered them, and they never knew it because they were afraid that the person would be disappointed. They were afraid the person was going to be let down by them. We We got to be honest. Gratifying your flesh versus living by the Spirit. Paul says, I crucify my flesh. Christ in me is greater than the addiction that is trying to master me. Keep your addiction a secret? No, you're not gonna keep it a secret anymore. You're gonna bring it to light. And what was brought into the light, God can heal. Bible says if we confess to one another our sins, we can be made whole and heal. So no, we're not gonna keep it a secret. We're not gonna keep it to ourselves. Now as a pastor and as a Christ follower, anytime I have to prepare a message, there's always two fingers pointing at me, right? The one that's pointing at you, there's always two pointing back at me. And I have to ask myself when I prepare a message like this, hey, Andrew, what what has mastered you? And if I'm honest today with you today, just as a a sign of vulnerability, there's been different things in the past than today that's mastered me. If I'm being honest about mine, you're gonna go, oh, that's nothing, Andrew. Oh, you're you're gonna downplay it and think it's no big deal. And I'm gonna tell you what happens with it. And then you're gonna say, oh, wow, it is kind of a big deal. I'll tell you what's mastered me personally right now. It's a stupid device. Because this device, let me explain what this thing does for me. This device and what's mastering me currently is the addiction to please people. I just want to please people. I just want you guys to laugh at my jokes and think I'm amazing, okay? And I'm really insecure, okay? So the way that I find out if people like me or they're pleased with me is by this device, why? Because, oh, there'll be a podcast in 24 hours that gets played, and there'll be some, you know, video podcast that will get shown on our social media, and I'll watch people's comments. Oh, wow, powerful. Oh, pastor, oh, powerful match. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh, man, oh, you just hit me between the eyes. I know I did. Gosh, man, where'd you learn how to speak? Oh, man, God is, I was born with it. You know? 
I just want to please people with my life. And so what happens is I get addicted to this device because I'm finding my identity in what people are saying about me versus what God said when he made me. See, what's happening for me right now is not only am I addicted to pleasing people and to this device, I'm even addicted to just the fact to have it near me. You know, it's like my, always in my pocket. It's just always there. It's always on the counter. I can always see it. I can always see it flashing. I know. Now listen, Forbes did a study on this. An earlier study in the U.S., which also had young people give up their phones, and I love that it says I'm still young. Can I hear an amen? Young people give up their phones, found that they performed worse on mental tasks when they were in withdrawal and felt psychological symptoms like increased heart rate and blood pressure. They also felt a sense of loss or lessening of their extended self, their phones. See, I used to think I have two legs and two arms. Now I have three arms. This is my third leg. This is my third thing. And here's what happens, you guys. Listen, not only am I addicted to this thing to please people, here's, what's, here's where it gets really rough for me to admit to. It's now getting in the way with my time with my kids. It's actually getting in the way of my time with my wife to where now almost when my wife and I go on a date, I need to just give her my phone. Because I'm even tempted and sometimes practice being and trying to engage with my wife and doing this kind of stuff. Because I just want it to be near me. You know how many times I'm playing with my kids and Lydia wants to build blocks and I'm trying to build blocks and answer a text? Do you know how many times she'll look at me and go, Daddy, you want to play with me? And I'm like, Lydia, I am playing with you. But she knows. The girl's like 30 years old in her head, okay? She knows, all right? She's way smarter than that. She knows. She knows that my undivided attention is not on her. She's not stupid. She understands it. But here's the worst thing to admit to today in what's mastered me. This thing, I just want to get rid of so bad. This thing has mastered my time with God. It has. I I used to read my Bible in a Bible, okay? It's crazy. Who would have thought you can read your Bible in a Bible? But, But now I can read my Bible on my phone. But you know what's so bad about it is now I'm using this for a spiritual thing, but then I see a notification while I'm trying to read my Bible. Oh, notification. Oh, oh stop reading the Bible. I, I don't know what's mastered you. You can go, man, that's not an addiction, bro. You just need to, you just need to get help. No, it is. It's a problem. It's a, it's a problem that I'm sure some of us in here can relate to. It's a problem that something as small as a device can master my entire life and consume my every day. I don't know about you, but have you ever lost your phone? Oh my word. It's worse than losing your wallet and having to bring a checkbook out, okay? It's worse than that, okay? It's worse than that. Losing your phone? Oh my word, it happened to me this morning on my way here. It's, you know, I'm up early trying to get my clothes and, you know, not wake up the kids. And all of a sudden I'm like, where's, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my, you know, I'm looking at my sheets in my bed. Amanda, screw Amanda, wake up. Where's my phone? You know? It's that bad. What has mastered you? In Daniel 3.16 famous passage of scripture. I don't have it on the screen today. I just want to read you a little uh, story from this. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And 
they're, being about, they're about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. It's a pretty famous passage of scripture in Daniel. And they replied to Nebuchadnezzar. Basically, he was saying to them, you bow down to me as your God. You practice idolatry physically right now by bowing down to me versus bowing down to your king. And if you don't, I'm throwing you into this fire. And these three Hebrew brothers were dedicated followers of Yahweh, were wanting to follow Christ with everything they had in them. And here's what happened. They said, we're not going to bow down to you. They said, okay, you're not going to bow down I'm going to turn this furnace up ten times hotter. He turns it up ten times hotter. In fact, one of the workers there, one of his assistants, went to go turn it up, and it was so hot that he died. You better bow down to me right now because I am the God in your life, and I'm the one that's Lord of this land, and I'm the one that reigns supreme. And I want you to hear what these Hebrew brothers responded to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, capitalized G, the God, Yahweh, whom we serve, is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you today, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods, capitalized G, or worship the gold statue that you have set up. What are they saying? They're saying, listen, we believe so much in the power of Yahweh and our God that he's going to save us from this. But even if he doesn't save us from this, I want you to know and be very clear with me today that we will never bow down and worship you, Nebuchadnezzar. You will never be master and Lord of our lives. Your power is only given to you because God on high gave you this power. And even if he doesn't save us, we will never bow down and worship you. What is trying to master you today? I'm going to have the worship team make their way up here. What is trying to master you today? What statue, what God, what is trying to kill you? What is trying to master your time, your money, your efforts I want you to think through this for a minute. What is mastering you today? Maybe write it on that connect card. This is mastering me today. I want to encourage you. I want you to name it. Not out loud, but I want you to name it. I want you to name what's mastering you. I want you to confess it. And I want you to get help. I want you to tell someone. I want you to find a resource. I want you to tell a spiritual leader, a pastor, a friend, a roommate, a mom or a dad, a husband or a wife, a neighbor, a friend, someone you can confide. I want you to tell someone what's mastered you. Name it, confess it. Begin to work towards recovering from it. And then declare, I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Christ in me is stronger than that bottle. Christ in me is stronger than that image. Christ in me is stronger than that food, that substance, that materialism. It's stronger than anything I'm facing today. Begin to ask yourself, what do you have that my God doesn't have? What does that addiction have that my God doesn't have? What is it that's trying to master you that you think God can't provide that and begin to name it, begin to confess it and begin to declare it. Christ is in me is stronger than the desires of this world. I will not always be this way. 
I will not always struggle with this. I can change. I can make a difference. I can overcome. I will not be this way. What is it? What do you have addiction that my God doesn't have? Some of the most powerful scriptures that I love with so much of my heart. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. And my favorite, if the Son has set you free, come on, you are free indeed. That's right. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. You don't no longer have to be mastered by anything. You no longer have to have a broken family and a broken marriage because of a substance or an addiction to a phone or an addiction to shop or an addiction to please people. You no longer need to be faced with that anymore because Christ in you is greater than that addiction. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Your past is not who you are. What you did last night is not who you are today. What you struggled with a month ago is not who you are today. I don't care what anyone says to you. You can be free in the name of Jesus. You can be set free from bondage. You can be set free from strongholds. You can be set free by the power of Christ and the work on the cross and his resurrection. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you. The same power that rose Christ from the dead, that cast out demons, that healed the sick, lives inside of you, and you can be free today. Can I tell you that your friend can be free today? Your neighbor can be free today. Your job, your boss can be free today. The person on the street can be free today. Because if Jesus set us free, we are free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And no longer are these chains going to bound me. No longer are these strongholds going to hold me down. I'm going to be who Christ calls me to be. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're in this place today, you want to admit just honestly before God, every head bowed, every eyes closed, you want to admit honestly before God that there is something in your life that has mastered you. You're naming it right now in your head. You're, you're contemplating right now in your head what that is. You know it's a struggle. You know it's a stronghold. Could be big. Could be on the news. Could be small that no one knows. But you're here today. You say, you know what? Something has mastered me. I want to be free. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand and say, I'm mastered by something. Lift up your hand all over this place. Lift up your hand all over this place. If your hand's up, I want to pray for you today. God, I thank you that you're in the business of setting people free. I thank you, God, that if the Son has set us free, we can be free indeed. I thank you, God, that we can lay down our idol, we can lay down the thing that's been holding us back, and we can come into right standing with you because of your Son, Jesus. Would every person in this place, God, sense and know that the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of them. They can no longer be mastered, no longer. They can be free in you. Come on, right now in this place, if you have a friend, a loved one, you can put your hands down. You have a friend, a loved one, someone that you care about, someone that you know that's dealing with an addiction, that's been mastered by something, you want to lift up them, someone that you know, would you raise your hand in this place right now? Come on, someone fighting an addiction that you personally have a relationship with, I want to pray for you right now. God, you see these hands. 
God, I pray right now, God, that this addiction would no longer be a secret thing. I pray for these individuals, God. They begin to admit they have a problem. They begin to admit, God, to getting help. They begin to admit to listen to the truth tellers in their life. And I thank you that every day you are in the business of setting our family free, setting our loved one free, setting our coworker free, setting our neighbor free. So we pray today, God, right now, that those that we love, those that we struggle with trying to help, those that we struggle to figure out what to do, God, by your power, would you bring freedom in their lives? It's in your good name we pray. Amen. You can place your hands down. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.